You know you've got to sing along. Don't you know This is the Cabinets HR Podcast, hosted by Jason Cabinets. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners, founders, and people in tech, startups, and HR. If you fall into one of these categories or are just curious about them, then this is the podcast for you. You will gain great insights from these great conversations. The Cabinets HR Podcast is brought to you by Cabinets HR. At Cabinets HR, we deliver HR to companies with 49 or fewer people by automating the HR process. We believe that you don't need a full-time HR person to receive full-time HR expertise. Hello, and welcome to the Cabinets HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cabinets. Our guest today is Bobby Quinn, CEO of Raven Spatial. Bobby, are you ready to be great today? Every. Bobby is founder and CEO of Raven Spatial. Bobby spent 13 years in the Air Force, followed by a few years of running various businesses, including an aerial imagery company. He spent two years in Afghanistan as a, contract, as a contracted drone pilot for the U.S. Navy. After leaving Afghanistan, Bobby worked for Digital Globe as a geospatial analyst where he used satellite imagery for location intelligence. He created Raven Spatial to address an industry need to leverage drones and smartphones as tools in time-sensitive mapping. Some fun facts about Bobby. He built a child-sized Zamboni that he called the Zambaby. It was discovered by the Tampa Bay Lightning and was quickly adopted by the team. So Bobby, thank you for your time today. I mean, you're doing some high-level, high-tech stuff, I, I, I think, aren't you? Oh, we're trying to. Yeah. And then thanks for having me on today, Jason. It's uh, it's a very big pleasure to be here. So talk about your your, your company. How did it get started? Yeah, I'd I'd be happy to. So, you know, I back in 2012 through 2014, I was flying drones and unmanned vehicles in Afghanistan for the Navy. And, you know, that before I did that, it sounded like a super cool job. You know, wow, you're going to be on the leading edge of technology. And what I found out was, when you're flying an autonomous vehicle, you send this thing off and you have about six to eight hours of downtime where you do absolutely nothing but watch it fly itself. So <laughs> you, you have a choice of do you sit around and do nothing or do you grow in that time? And so I taught myself something I've always wanted to learn, which is geospatial science. And, you know, I had the idea like, hey, when you're a contractor overseas, you're, you're making really good money, you can sit back home, but you're missing out on your life. So I really wanted to set myself up so I can have a good job when I got back to the States, you know, like every contractor or military guy wants to do. Um, I did that. I, ta- I taught myself geospatial and I got back home in 2014. Uh, the contract was over. I finished off my undergrad at Embry-Riddle and Aerospace and got on with a satellite imagery company called Digital Globe uh, here in Tampa. And it was super cool. It was what I wanted to do. I took a low set to get in the door and learn about geospatial science. And uh, what, what ended up happening was the natural flow of things. I realized, you know, just within, I mean, just maybe a few months of being in that company that satellite imagery is super cool, but it's limited. And when you need to get information zoomed in on a location, you've, let me stop there for a second. If you've ever used Google Maps or Google Earth and you zoom into a house or maybe a car, you see that it's really digitized and you, you get limited information from that, right? But drone imagery, uh, you know, stuff I've been doing for two years, uh, is really high resolution. And this stuff is all over the place. So why not make an Uber style model, crowdsource model for imagery collection? And that's what I wanted to do. There's enough of a customer demand 
uh, for me to do just that. So, uh, yeah, so I, I ended up realizing that there's enough of a market for me and I left Digital Globe to go do that. So, Bobby, why would somebody want to, want to purchase something like this? What, what are some reasons for that? Yeah, no, there's, it's a great question. And a couple of really good stories that I like to give out for that. Imagine you're a property investor and you're looking for uh, investment properties that are either defaulted to somebody's way behind on their loan or their bank owned or foreclosed. They're not going to have this elaborate picture scheme like you would on a million dollar property where you know the realtor pays a photographer to come out and take nice photos of the, of the area. When you go to Google Earth to take a look at the images for these properties, the, the, the satellite imagery is years old and super pixelated. So question is, is how do you go, how do you order imagery from that location exactly where you want, like from today? And often people go, I don't know, outside of Google Earth, I don't want to know what to do. So some people use Craigslist or Facebook to ask people to go out and take pictures for them. And the best one I love so far is they order Uber Eats and uh, have the driver deliver pizza to that location and text them and say, hey, keep the pizza, just take some pictures for me and send it back. So that, that's a really big market. I mean, we're talking like 1.8 million foreclosures at any time in the U.S. And as the, uh, the industry worsens, or uh, the economy worsens rather, and we start to see this bubble pop, we're going to have a lot of default properties. On the other side of that, there's going to be people scooping up those notes and mortgages for those properties and needing this service. But uh, outside of that, we also have a secondary market, which is construction and roofing. And for that, you have a, a roofing owner wants to look at the phase of a, of a job they, they have a, a contract with. They have to listen to a project manager, tell them, hey, your guys need to be here on Tuesday, right? Well, this job be states away. And project managers are known to lie in order to get people to the job on time so they can keep their schedule ongoing. But they might not necessarily be truthful with a roofing company. I and mean, it's no matter to them, it's no money loss of the project manager. But for a roofing company that sends their team out early, they get on site and realize they can't start working on the roof. It might be $1,500 or more a night to put their guy in a hotel. So what the industry has been doing is sending guys out or sending the, you know, their, their managers out to, to validate and verify that these sites are actually ready to go. If they had a way to get real time imagery where they needed, then it would solve the problem and leave you to fly out to these locations to validate what the PM is saying. So we're creating this platform to enable people to order drone and smartphone imagery anywhere they in real time. Bobby, so can anyone become a drone pilot? Because like you see drones in, in, in stores all the, all the time. Can you just buy a drone and become like a drone pilot and do what you're doing? It has to be more complex than that, I would think. Good question. So, so with, our, with our app, we're not only taking drone imagery, we're also taking street level imagery. So anybody with a smartphone that's compatible, I think there's like 225 million smartphones that are compatible for what we're building. Anybody can take imagery. Nobody, like you have to be a part 107 FAA certified drone pilot in order to be paid uh, for drone imagery collection outside of a recreation, which anybody can be a recreational drone pilot. But uh, what we see though is right now, I think there's 85,000 registered pilots that are commercially certified in the US. I think it's $150 today, uh, roughly, to go through and get the certification done. And it, it's kind of a big test. So what we're doing in my company is we see a need where we need to have more people drone certified. So we're creating a, a basically a, an education lab where anybody that's a user of Paypixel, the app that we're developing, can register, pay $10, 
and get in and sign up and get courses to be a 107 pilot. So it lines you up for the, the study material and gets you prepped for the FAA test. And that's cheaper than anything out there. You might see something similar for like $200 FAA test prep. Uh, so this is a really affordable way to get anybody motivated enough to get their Part 107 certification. Bob, did you say that they, that's going to come in the future when everyone has a drone? Like instead of having like five, five people in your family, five cars, you got five cars and five drones. I, I would say that, you know, the time is now where for under $100, you can get a very capable drone. Uh, for example, the DJI Tello is the one I always recommend to friends and family. And for a hundred bucks, you get a stabilized drone. You can put it up and it flies in, inside the house and stays still. It has a video, it has pretty good quality imagery and video, and you can put that on Facebook. So if there was ever a day where drones were affordable for everybody, it's now. I mean, most of the people, 98% of the people in the U.S. have smartphones, which are eight, $900. With a drone being $100, you think everybody would be able to afford one. So it comes on the line of if you're interested in that kind of stuff, it's so affordable. It's never been more affordable. And then the technology is right there for you. So not everybody might have one, but everybody who wants one should be able to get one. This is sort of off topic. I remember a year ago, maybe two years ago, I saw this thing on TV where this guy, he was like a, he's like a travel vlogger, right? And, and he had a drone falling everywhere, right? So the drone was documenting everywhere he traveled. Of course, you know, couldn't go everywhere, but basically everywhere he went, the drone was right there recording him. So I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, they're super cool. And the technology has come such a long way. I mean, just in the last 10 years, you're talking now commercial off-the-shelf drones being able to uh, include facial recognition features in their video. Um, you know, it, it, it's mind-boggling. Outside of just control of the drone, the payload, the camera on it, is able to do some crazy things that 10 years ago wouldn't have been, you know, on anybody's mind. And now today we're, we're developing all this technology in a seven, $800 drone. It's, it's insane. Bobby, Everybody's a professional photographer. Yeah, every, yeah, everyone is nowadays. Everyone, everyone's a media company now. Bobby, so if you're a pilot with at American Airlines, there's an age limit. I think it's 65. I'm not sure. Is there an age limit for drone pilots? No, not right now. Not right now. Uh, the, the, there's very little uh, physical restrictions um, for that. I, yeah, you just you just have to be uh, you have to be able to to fly the drone, uh, you know, safely. That's it. There's no age limit. And, uh, and I'm guessing different drone rules are different different countries, or is everything pretty much the same everywhere? That's very true. Um, yeah, they're very different. So on our company model, we're looking at uh, outside of the U.S. collection as well. So we really want to create this uh, borderless collection capability. So throughout the whole world with scale and with that, we need to comply to all the laws that we can. So it's a challenge for us and our company now to look at each country specifically and, you know, make sure that we abide by all of those rules. So they're wildly different, you know, and with that too, in the, in the U S you have airspace laws that are all under one agency, all under the FAA. However, regionally and locally, there's laws where you can and can't fly drones and they're, it's so uh, mixed. You, it, it's very difficult to put all that on a map and they're always changing. So state and local laws might be different uh, between states, between regions and cities. Let's change subjects a little bit. Talk about the Zam, Zam baby you built. Yeah, so I've always been uh, a maker, you know, and see a need, fill a need kind of guy. Um, 
I needed a Halloween costume in 2014 for my son, Kai. It was his first Halloween. No, I'm sorry. 2015. I actually built a stealth helicopter stroller called the Stroller Apache in 2014. But 2015, uh, people loved what I did the year before. My mother-in-law says, you should do something cool. You love hockey. Why not build a Zamboni? Uh, And I was like, "Eh, I don't know about that. I went down to a lightning game and I asked around and I got back into the Zamboni tunnel. The guy who recently passed away with a lightning, uh, Tom Miracle, was the guy who greeted me. He was the he's the manager of the ice uh, at the time. He he says, "Okay, yeah, come on back. Security's not going to like it too much." And you let me see the the Zam baby and take measurements in there. So so I built this mammoth thing uh, from scratch. I I don't know what I'm doing. I'm learning how to weld. I'm learning how to put stuff together. I'm wiring poorly, and I end up with this cool Zamboni uh, that I called the Zam baby. It was a small scale Zamboni. <laughs> that was supposed to be RC controlled, uh, ended up getting sick and was pulling this thing around. So the story that goes with that, we, we were walking on uh, a major road by my house, maybe 10 seconds total. And a car drives by, stops and, and sees me, pulls over, takes pictures. And it's like, wow, this is awesome. Uh, I need your names. And we don't know who this guy is. He goes, I'm sorry, let me introduce myself. I'm, I'm John Franzone. I'm the, uh, the v, uh, VP of presentations at the Tampa Bay Lightning. And we would love to have you on the ice. Would you be okay with that? I'm like, okay, yeah, that's, that's an amazing opportunity. That's pretty much like a dream come true. Uh, so at that point, we, we had an agreement. We went out on the ice. And for two seasons, my the official Zam baby of the Tampa Bay Lightning knew everybody on the team, knew the franchise and staff and all the Lightning girls. So they're all his girlfriends. <laughs> that's a great story. So back to drones. Is there any challenge with privacy as far as like flying drones around? There is. And uh, mostly going back to, to regional and state laws, there's a the privacy is a perception uh, that, that people have. And it, it's, it's exacerbated with drones. So I should point out that there's always payloads in the air above us, whether it's satellite or from fixed wing aircraft flying higher than we would imagine helicopters, police helicopters, there's always something taking imagery from above. People might not be aware of that, but the idea that anybody can fly a drone and there's little to no um, uh, limitation to access for that, it puts people on edge, you know, and then you have, you have people buying drones and, and not operating them responsibly and spying on their neighbors actively, which doesn't help. So the, the low barrier to entry really exacerbates the issue. So when I say that privacy concerns are perceptive, it's, it's true. And some state, local, regional uh, governments recognize that. And they say, hey, we're not going to allow drones to fly in this area for that reason. So while the airspace may be legal in those areas, the regional local laws might not allow them to be launched or received. Uh, so right now with the FAA, you need to fly within line of sight of your aircraft and keep eyes on your aircraft the whole time. So if you have to take off or land in these areas that are restricted, then you're flying illegally technically. So a responsible operator keeps that in mind and will uh, not loiter the aircraft over somebody's house if, if it's not necessary. Uh, and, you know, so what you end up finding out in the field when we collect imagery is people come up to you and people are really quick to come up to you and say, what are you doing? Where are you flying that? What are you looking at? I've had that happen several times while I was flying legally. And you just have to put people's minds at ease the best you can and say, hey, in my case, we're mapping the area. Uh, we're not loitering over anybody's house. It's just like satellite imagery. It's just today and right now. So we will eventually get past that. Everyone was afraid of smartphones when they came out. 
everyone was afraid of the internet when it came out. It's a change and society has a really good way of freaking out about a new technology and then forgetting about it pretty soon. So as time goes on, we'll be more callous to that. Yeah, you're right. It's always been like that. Like, I'm sure the same thing happened when the first car came out, right? I mean, or whatever, whatever the newest technology was back in the day when the first, first bronze came out, the first silver came out, whatever the case may be, you know, the first chariot, it's always, you know. I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now, like uh, right now you look at the, uh, the, the autonomous vehicle, right? We talk, we call it today, the autonomous vehicle. It's a nerdy name, you know, in 10 years, we're not even going to bat an eye about getting in an unmanned Uber and then driving to, uh, you know, the, the airport 45 minutes away. And so I, fun, funny enough, I'm involved in a NASA working group for electro, uh, electrical, electronic uh, vertical takeoff and landing aircraft called eVTOL. And we're looking ahead, you know, five to 10 years to see what kind of technology is going to be out there. And we're talking now at this NASA group talking about regulatory restrictions and, and working this in the system where we're going to have drones that carry people to and from locations through commercial companies like Uber. And then also being used for public safety, right? These are, these are coming. So if I tell you today that in, in five years, you could get an Uber Air drone to your house so you can fly back to the airport and there's going to be no pilot, you, it's going to be hard for most people to recognize that. 10 years from now, a decade from now, we're not going to think twice. We're going to get that because it's convenient. So it's, it's all on how it affects the society. Well, I'll tell you what, here in Seattle, the traffic's so bad, everyone would sign up for that right now today. Right? If you had that in Seattle, everyone would sign up for it. The traffic here is so bad. Like, yeah, they would, pay, they would pay like double, triple price for it. I mean, easily. I think I just read something and, you know, I, I usually try to stay uh, well read in the news and current events. And I, I wish I could cite it a little bit better, but I know that there's something recommended in LA. There's a new service and I don't know if it was provided by Uber or not, but it's, it's essentially a helicopter Uber, like Uber exists currently. Uh, on a monthly plan, I think it was like seventeen or eighteen hundred dollars a month, where you can you can basically fly around the city. Uh, so it's it's uh, it's buying into a monthly uh, model, so you can get to places via air and not have to sit in traffic. Bobby, so what's the long term vision for your company? So long term vision, uh, we're obviously going to start out as a data collection, imagery collection company, so people can order imagery anywhere. Uh, but technology changes. And if you don't change as a company, you face obsolescence and you could be put out of business really fast. I, I own an aerial imagery company shooting from planes in the past and I couldn't compete with drones. I wasn't able to change the model on time and I really didn't want to fly drones for a living myself. So I shut down. With us, we're going to have to grow, adopt new technologies and change. So, I, you know, today I don't necessarily know what's in store for the company. But one of the most important things about being a, a solid, successful entrepreneur is listening to the market and being able to strategize your next move, uh, being able to pivot when you need to, what makes sense for your company. So I say today that we're going to start out as an imagery company and stay on our toes and listen for that opportunity when it comes. Bobby, how are you finding your customers? So, so right now, uh, you know, we, we've identified the markets that we want to launch in and we're early stage. So we're pre, uh, revenue, pre P, but, uh, one of the most important things, uh, that you can do as a company when you're developing is bring in your, your early stage customers that you can predict having and letting them be part of your building process. So you're making something relevant. So what I've done so far is I've gone out to node investor, mortgage investor meetings, and I've met with investors that would be great candidates as customers platform where they're buying high volumes of properties every year. 
and they have loved it. They've loved the idea. They're willing to come in and help us out with the beta. So as we move forward and we're able to incorporate their feedback a little bit, it's literally just opening the door and inviting them in and, you know, telling them, Hey, you can, you can help us build something relevant for you. So it's more applicable when it's ready to go. So for now, in our early stage concept, it's very easy to find customers. The, the challenge really is with our other half of the model is finding people to take the imagery for us. That's our B2C side of the model. So the really big challenge for us is we are launching an app that anybody can use and you will get paid to collect imagery around you, very much like an Uber model. So when we turn on the lights and we launch this app, are we going to be able to get the people uh, to sign up? Or are we going to be able to get the traction with that model? And that's the big question, the big challenge that we have to work through right now. Bobby, when you're talking to people about your company, like, how, like what percentage are like, you know, anti-tech, like, oh my goodness, this is too much for me. I don't understand it. This is, uh, you know, all that anti-tech stuff. And how many other people, what percentage are like, oh my goodness, this is like the next best thing. How do I get involved with this right now? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question. Um, you know, there's a, I, I, I almost liken it to blockchain. Because, you know, blockchain is a, is a future technology for sure. And people are having a hard time understanding it. When you go tell somebody about it, you have to educate them. When, when I talk about the, cust- the customer side where you can order a smartphone and drone imagery, to people that don't understand, the people that don't use that currently or that's not in their workflow, they don't think about it like that, you know, and, and they don't necess- they're not necessarily ready to accept what you're saying. They're trying to figure out what you do. I have a challenge uh, that's ongoing and I'm still learning every day, trying to be great every day uh, at, at simplifying what we do in a snapshot that anybody can understand. Like, I hate this is probably not the best way to say it, but mom proofing it uh, where, you know, anybody can understand what you're doing. It's so complicated, uh, you know, a two-sided business model and then what we're trying to do that summarizing it is tough. Talk to people. You, I would say that, 75% of the people we talk to don't kind of, they don't understand the, the concept of imagery on demand or why it helps or why it's, it's important. Then the 25% that do their minds are blown. They go, this is incredible. What you're building is game changing. Uh, and it's different from what's out there now that you're going to do really well. And to them, I say, thank you. I appreciate that. I just hope the investors and our customers feel the same way. Yeah, I think the challenge is like back when when the Steve Jobs first introduced the iPod, there was, I mean, truth be told, there was at least tens of hundreds of uh, MP3s better, right? That they had more quality, more storage. But with the average house, they would say, this is a so-and-so MP3. We're 19.5% this, 22.6 this, all this data, all this, you know, metrics. Steve Jobs got on stage and said, a thousand songs in your pocket. I think the chance of all of us is to, is to have the thousand songs in your pocket, you know, unique value proposition for your company. I think that's a challenge for all of us. How do you how do you get to that thousand songs in your pocket for whatever your company is? That's that's a great question. Um, you know, I, if if I could answer that right now, I think we'd be pretty well. So, uh, you know, for us, that's that's a work in progress. Just being able to drop the one liner. You know, we what I love to compare is their their course are always going to especially. If, if you have a novel idea or it's not, it's, it's fairly new, you might not necessarily have competition today or a lot of competition today, but if you make something amazing, you're going to have a lot of follow-on competition. So you're constantly going to have to be driving those value uh, propositions for your company at any stage, right? I always go back to, there's a million and one restaurants out there, but Chick-fil-A stands out across the board for everybody and how delicious their food is, the quality of service. So if you continue to drive 
the Chick-fil-A model in the restaurant industry, regardless of what business model you have or what industry you're in, then you're going to make a difference and people are going to recognize that and come to you. So it's just a matter of being, for me right now, staying positive, staying different, staying new and a really good feeling. Specifically for us, uh, our competition doesn't allow anybody to order imagery very easily. We're allowing anybody to order it. This is democratizing uh, location intel, unlike any other company. Bobby, understand you have something for our listeners today. I do. Yeah. So we're, we're traditionally not a B2C company and we're not selling anything that we can give a discount on. However, we are making the PayPixel app. Currently, we're right in the middle of development for that. And anybody will be able to download PayPixel and try it out. So what I urge people to do is be a beta uh, user for PayPixel, please. If you go to ravenspatial.com uh, backslash PayPixel, I believe, uh, it should take you to a beta sign-up form. It's a real quick form. You'll get notified as soon as the app is ready to go. I urge everyone to try it out. Uh, let us know what you think, how we can improve it. And that way we can uh, uh, create more jobs in the gig economy than there are right now. Bobby, can you share your social media for both yourself and your company so people can reach out to you? Oh, yeah. So the, the company social media, the best way to get there is uh, to go to ravenspatial.com at the bottom of the page. There's the links to follow. We have uh, the LinkedIn, Twitter, and uh, Facebook for the companies. They're not super active yet. But they will be soon. Uh, and of course, be able to find me through Bobby Quinn. Uh, I think it's LinkedIn backslash Robert A. Quinn. So I look forward to meeting anybody out there that wants to meet and connect up. And for listeners, we'll have the link to the, to the gift and resources and social media at our blog. You find our blog at www.cabinetshrblog.com. And also be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Cabinet HR podcast at whatever platform you listen to it on. So Bobby, you can to the end of our time today. Can you give our listeners some advice on any subject you want to talk about? Yeah, yeah, I could do that. Um, you know, so everybody today is wrapped up in, uh, you know, politics and these small ideas. We, we talk about other people and it just, it seems like a lot of wasted energy, right? So I challenge everybody out there. There's, there's challenges that affect man all around us every day. Instead of wasting energy thinking about people, think about ideas, think about a way to change the world, right? And inspire yourself to change the world. Anybody can do it. Everyone has the capability and the potential to do that. Imagine if we put the same energy into making the world a better place, the same energy that we do knocking people and being at, uh, at odds with our friends. Bobby, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate your time. You know, to our listeners, thank you for your time as well. And remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cabinets HR Podcast. Be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and TikTok at Cabinets HR. Also check out our weekly live streams at the Cabinets HR Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Periscope, where we focus each week on an HR topic important for small business. These are every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and last around three minutes. To join our weekly HR email newsletter list, send us an email to jasoncabinets at cabinetshr.com. Thank you, and remember to be great every day.